0: Welcome to Out of Obscurity, I am DJ Pouzour as ever, and today we welcome back Optimus Grimes for a second episode. The original OG, (laughs) Optimus, how's it hanging? We haven't spoken since last episode uh, about over a year ago in August, the end of August 2020 by my records. How's the year been?
1: It's been a lot of depression and gloom.
0: (laughs) Ouch. Well, (laughs) just blame the pandemic for everything, right?
1: Yes. existential crisis.
0: There you go. It's it's all external factors. Nothing wrong with me. Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good. Glad to hear that. Today we've got two pretty challenging picks by the band's Capillary Action and the Season Standard. We're going to talk about the albums Capsized and also Squeeze Me Ahead of Line from the first decade of the 21st century and I'll start with the basic specs for that capsized by capillary action coming first that was in 2011 12 tracks 48 minutes I would call it rock but it's a fusion of all kinds of crazy other genres which we'll talk about like jazz and metal not a lot of jazz metal out there that I know but I'm sure that. People have gotten hip to it that you can combine anything nowadays it's on the record label either you can get it on natural selection or i think they have some of their previous work on Discorporate corporate records their previous album is on a name your price basis everyone in the world should own it absolutely so embarrassing is its name you can find it on bandcamp we'll link it to the show notes it is on all music guide it has no ratings I think you have a lot to say about it. It's been reviewed on Pitchfork, but you have your own personal story to tell. So, Optimus Grimes, take it away. What do you have to say about capillary action?
1: All right. I uh, used to hang out with John Pfeffer, the main guy in capillary action, pretty regularly from about 2007 till 2013 or so. Nine years. Yeah, I'd see him come through Madison and... He recommended a lot of music to me and helped me set up, I don't even know how many shows in the Madison area, just with friends of his. Dozens or more than 20? Probably more than than 20. That's a lot of shows, yeah. John was just an extremely talented guy and a great music resource. He always had his hand on the button of knowing a lot of different people before i met john on the fragments album which is all instrumental he uh, did a tour with joe lally from fugazi capillary action was actually joe's backing band that's so kind they of were interesting they were semi fugazi <laughs> yeah i guess the story goes is joe had a backing band um, and they bailed on him and john said we can learn all your songs he just <laughs> ended up having them as his backing band and they did some tours together that's cool So very cool. Discovered capillary action quite by accident. I lived at a co-op in Madison called Nottingham Co-op and we did concerts in the living room, which was kind of a ballroom type setting. And it was about one in the morning one night and I heard some people knocking on the door and it happened to be John. He's like, Oh, somebody told me I could stay here tonight. And I'm like, Well, we got couches in the living room, so I guess I have at it. And we got talking Sick. and it turned out Capillary Action had a show at the hiding saloon the next night with Ooz Jasme Doma, who's a Czech band. Also pretty another, crazy. Yeah, and another Nottingham alumni, Jeremy, I can't think of Jeremy's last name, not like it matters, but he had a band called Bastard Trio and they played the show too. But it was John Ricardo Lagosimino and Kevin McHugh as a three-piece version of Capillary Action. I watched the set, and my mind was just completely blown. I was like, I better get all the music I can right now. (laughs) Dig your nails into them as best you can, huh? Yes. (laughs) So I was... Pretty hooked with So (laughs) Embarrassing. It was like my favorite album that whole year, and I listened to it a lot. Capsizing eventually came out about three years into my relationship with John, and he had told me, he's like, this is going to be completely different from the last album, which Mm -hmm. I don't know if it necessarily was, but not having an electric guitar like on So Embarrassing and using a nylon string was definitely a big change for
0: sure you can tell it's the same band but they have a very different sound i agree we've heard a fair bit of music in our time it is so rare for the reaction to seeing new group uh, for the reaction to just be awe to have to stand back and kind of take it in it's like this is totally different yeah. how often does that happen for you
1: it doesn't happen very much in all honesty it was kind of along the lines of like you seeing king crimson for the first time it was like wow, I got a new favorite band now.
0: <laughs> no, it uh, completely reconceptualizes what music can do. And that's, yes. uh, that's a mouthful, <laughs> a mouthful yeah. and an earful.
1: I'd be kind of curious if other people had kind of a similar reaction. I remember just being at the show and the whole night was great. Like who's Jazz Jasmine Doma. I remember being really good, but I bought their record too but i didn't really listen to it as much
0: they're also very much an acquired taste i want to say almost punk ska but also very european almost i don't want to say klezmer metal but (laughs) yeah that might be a good description definitely a good pairing we could have just as easily paired their album ears with this album and then it could have been a full-scale concert nostalgia (laughs) piece but uh,
1: yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) how many times have you seen capillary action live I guess I saw them about 10 times. Wow. 10 shows for any band is very impressive. I don't think I've seen any band more than three times. I've seen Pinback Live three times, and that's my top. Also, don't nearly socialize with anybody, obviously, (laughs) from bands nearly on your level. So, (laughs) very impressed. 10 shows. Wow. So, uh, all in Wisconsin or in other locations, Uh,
1: too? Some in Chicago and probably Large, too
0: they, yeah they, i'm surprised they had toured extensively through the midwest and that's another good luck thing talking about the different venues i think that uh, every show is shaped by where it is played and they speak in an interview about sometimes playing in chinese restaurants and are not public libraries but you know places you wouldn't expect to have a rock concert and i think that really affects things and you mentioned uh, your your co-op that's kind of like ballroom as you said But the building is just this brick solid tank thing, like an immovable object almost. Do you find that their shows were very different experiences depending on where they played, or?
1: Yeah, I feel like a lot of times in Chicago, at least back then, there were like kids with weird warehouses. They'd own the top floor of a building or something, and you just like show up to this random big-ass brick building you'd be like where's this at and then you'd have to like <laughs> walk up a few flights of stairs
0: <laughs> so like the ghost ship in oakland where you're really risking your life to see the show If there were fire yeah everybody would die kind of a thing great great probably <laughs> no, something
1: uh, like that book Without all the pallets stacked up.
0: (laughs) Hopefully. We hope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In New York, one of my favorite New York experiences was when David Byrne was going to give a TED Talk on the influence of Venue. In music concerts, he was saying about how different bands are better equipped to play stadiums versus intimate, small live shows. And he said he, he did a lot of research for his talk saying that studying bird calls, basically. Some birds sound better in forests, some sound better in the open, in the city and so on when their birds are singing. And ornithologists, they stood up and said, I'm a musician and I study birds. We should talk after the talk. And so, so I was in the front row watching David Byrne over his lectern and sitting down. All I could see was his talking head. Venue, it makes a difference
1: yes it does there's certain bands that can handle an arena and other bands that can't Uh thing in between too
0: (laughs) on tour obviously you know there are financial considerations you don't want to take a whole orchestra with you on the road in a van for example or let Mm -hmm. alone across international borders he says he strips down you you said they were a three-piece when you saw them in madison that's yes uh, first time okay so that's just like a guitar keyboard and drums Yes, yeah, maybe maybe a bass yeah, guitar. Yeah, early on the
1: <laughs> first three or four shows I saw of them, they were a three-piece. And then with capsizing, John expanded it out, and he had like an accordion and horns and a drummer and then himself.
0: Every different combination, he says he likes to work with different musicians, and at one point you wanted to play the drums for them? Is that right?
1: Yeah, we were kind of flirting with the idea of it, and as usual with... Mental health issues, uh, kind of got skirted to the wayside. <laughs> oh, well, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's always next time.
1: Yes. Although I don't think there is a next time at this point.
0: <laughs> well, we'll talk about that, too. Why is there a peak in this era? We all have our window of receptiveness and our, our most inspired times when all the ideas and juices are flowing within us. Yes. does it doesn't last forever. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I had to learn about this band from you. They apparently formed at Oberlin the year after I graduated in 2004. They also are said to be variously from, quote-unquote, New York City or Boston or Philadelphia. He gives an interview from Seattle, which we'll link to in the show notes. Um,
1: Yes, it always seemed like John was claiming to be a resident of different cities during this time period.
0: Right, right. Well, I mean, if you're on tour, then it's legit. You have to be of the place where you're in. As far as Oberlin bands go, I think you mentioned probably that the others are also from there. I feel kind of out of touch with my school Finding out from my fellow high school classmate from rural Wisconsin th- about this Oberlin <laughs> band—it's a little bit embarrassing. So embarrassing, I might even say. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> you add a little bit of age uh, down in Ricardo and Kevin.
0: That's my only excuse. Yeah, that they formed after I was gone. So, that- but they were probably—I yeah. don't know if they were freshmen by the time or exactly what. Anyway, yeah. I'll have to take the hit on this one and eat some crow for not knowing about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, they're absolutely life-changing, and I have to wonder, what do you think is the audience for you? Have you recommended them to people, and what have been the responses? Have you turned anybody else on besides me to them?
1: Well, a lot of my roommates back in the day, I remember living at Nottingham Co-op, we'd play capillary action in the kitchen a lot while we were cooking dinner, doing dishes.
0: The dishwashing music, you're going to (laughs) break the dishes to this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're going to smash on the floor. Overstimulate your Hobart.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the divine Hobart was in the kitchen there.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. I think that's just a a co op standard. My co op had a great big Hobart, too. And everybody on the cleanup times, everybody was always saying, hey, don't bogart the Hobart. It's my turn. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of scrubbing the floors and the scr- washing pans, and uh, yeah. Hobart's the position, the battle station you want. <laughs> Have you recommended them to any like close friends or family members? That's really, really what I'm curious, because this is, a, as Out, out of Obscurity is generally trying to do, we, we focus on bands that haven't really, I wouldn't say, hit the big time or been very famous. They've toured the world, and they're probably almost certainly notorious, but very far from famous. Would an average person be able to handle them?
1: I don't think so, in all honesty. I always tend to like uh, music that freaks people out i guess i remember working at a factory back in the day and playing stuff like this and the guys at the factory would be like how can you play this kind of crap all the time (laughs) but they'd be listening to like wjjo which i find just (laughs) nerve-wracking new rock solid rock (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) yeah those were the days This could be considered almost jazz fusion in a way, as with our other album picked by the season standard. Anything where jazz, if you even say the word jazz in some circles, it's like you're going to freak people out.
1: Yeah, and jazz has so many different things it's gone through. I'd say this incorporates a lot of that, but then there's also something very unique about it, too.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Ricardo on So Embarrassing was just like an incredible drummer. He was so much fun to watch.
0: I guess Hella is the drummer and Lightning Bolt are the ones that I think of as examples of really energetic, really frenetic and complex. But mm-hmm. then I think from those levels of drummers, capillary action will switch in and out of that and suddenly become a Latin <laughs> a Latin salsa band right in the middle yeah. of a song. <laughs> and so to switch from Hella to, to, I don't know what, some beaner, <laughs> not to use a racial slur or anything, but uh, switching on the turn of a dime within a song. And these songs are not long by by any means. They tend to be like three and four minutes long, the length of an average rock single, I suppose. So it's not like they have, okay, we're building up to it. Now we're going to change time signature. Now we're going to change to Latin or something. It's like, boom. Now we're a totally different band, totally different song, (laughs) almost. Yeah. And that's got to be hard to do.
1: It seemed like John had a lot of, definitely like a leader of a band. Like, he'd come in and be like, I got this all thought out. Like, here's how I want it to be played.
0: He said in the interview, and it's assumed, I think, for the most part in jazz, that there's a whole lot of improvisation going on. In the interview, he says, these are not improvised songs. These are, every note is very clearly composed and planned. If there actually were improvisation, things would fly off the rails pretty quickly. Improvisation, I think, you know, this is not...
1: I didn't get the impression there was much improvisation at all.
0: Some jazz fans... If you're coming at this from a jazz perspective a lot of people prefer improvisation and that maybe they think that that is how you show your real skill as a musician is when you're communicating live in the moment but I think to actually compose something and they might say that if you're totally composed you sound contrived by comparison but to call this contrived loses focus on how unpredictable and just what are they going to do next kind of the feeling that I get the question I have to ask is where does one uninitiate Kind of like if you're not educated, it's hard to listen to jazz, hard to appreciate it if you don't know what you're getting into here if you're just an average out of obscurity listener who generally likes to try all of their album picks where does somebody start with a band like this it's kind of like I feel I want to compare it to trying to pet a porcupine
1: you, Yeah. over here no so it's that.
0: spiky can't start there no nope. that song freaked people out and it's like you gotta find the part that does isn't all spiky maybe try to pet its nose or something where do you start <laughs> what's the first song that you could um, persuade somebody to listen to
1: ha that's a tough one the opening track on so embarrassing. It starts out pretty driving like a straightforward rock song.
0: I think so embarrassing if you compare the two. There's a very clear inroads to fans of Mr. Bungle. And- yeah, yeah.
1: Which is funny, because I remember John specifically saying he absolutely hated Mr. Bongo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, uh, it's the narcissism of minor differences at that point, because you're doing crazy metal circus music with crooning vocals, so you sound... That's, the, that's like, boom, immediate comparison right there. So obviously you're going to hate what you're closest to, no? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh-huh. But absolutely hating Mr. Bungle, that's interesting. Well, he, yeah, That's probably why he wanted to come acoustic on the second album. It makes sense. It's like, I'm sick of all these comparisons to Mr. Bungle. I'll show you how to do something totally unbungle like and then still kind of bungley, but <laughs> not as direct comparisons, I think, on Capsized. If you don't have a snappy answer to what's the most accessible way in, the inroads we can come back to it later
1: but in some ways i'd say so embarrassing like the more perfect album, but I found Capsizing to be more rewarding.
0: Yeah, if we're going to compare the two, I think you said the first one, So Embarrassing, is only half an hour long, so it's concise. <laughs> everything yes. has its very clear purpose. They get it to, they start it, they end the song, and they move on. There's 15 extra minutes. It's 47 minutes, as I mentioned, for Capsize, so it's kind of sprawling, but I'd say it's also more fully formed as a vision of being totally unlike everything else. I wouldn't compare it to anything and expect anybody to say, well, yeah, that's really apt. This is their own thing. This is their own entire genre unto itself. They've toured with, let me lay it out here, they've toured with Les Claypool, you mentioned Fugazi. They have also (laughs) toured with a band called Z's, which is just the letter Z and S, which, I don't know if you've heard their album New Slaves. Have you heard of Z's?
1: I have. I believe Charlie Looker was in Z's. Does that sound
0: right? I don't know anybody's names. That's your social connection. You know the actual people involved in these bands. I just know albums and album titles and band names.
1: Looker was a member of Z's early on.
0: Who is that? Is, Is that a name people should know?
1: Yes, it is. He had a band called Extra Life and then a band called Psalm Zero. I believe he even does, like, a YouTube video channel where he interviews people now, too. Huh, But, but yeah, just a really cool guy. Very creative. I've had a few run-ins with Charlie just hanging out and chatting and stuff. Played a show with Psalm Zero once, too. Be on the lookout for Charlie Looker, too. Another really creative person.
0: New Slaves by Z's I would describe as clanky, cacophonous instrumental noise almost to call any of their tracks songs would be a stretch in my view in a good way yeah (laughs) for the most part they also do 20 minute shrieking (laughs) i think is the title track off of the new slaves (laughs) album but anyway (laughs) your social connections you want to talk about your myspace days what's your way to stay in the loop with all these people
1: I've kind of lost track of a lot of them, to be honest. Something about MySpace was just easier to navigate music because you could go through and listen to an album and you could punch in a city and figure out what bands were on the city. If you were plotting out a tour, you'd take your top five favorite bands from that city and you'd hit them up and be like, hey, would you like to play a show? There really isn't a website like that nowadays, which seems weird.
0: Facebook isn't as much about music, I gather. Bands will have a Facebook page, but it's more laborious to contact them that way?
1: Yeah, it is. Interesting. even seems like the messaging when you have a band page doesn't work all that well.
0: So MySpace actually worked for bands, just not for socializing or making (laughs) money or being a viable social media site. (laughs) Yeah. interesting. As not many average people are out booking (laughs) concerts all the time, thus the site didn't work in the long term. Yeah. (laughs) But for what it did, it did it well, huh? (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but unfortunately with defunct sites like that, and there's a lesson to be learned here, is that don't put all your eggs into one basket that's not going to be still existing on the internet in 10 years. Definitely lost a lot of photos and status updates and probably friends, too, in context from Friendster. Uh, I guess I was on MySpace. I didn't use it that much. But Friendster definitely. When that went down, I was like, ah, crap, I wasted all that time and I have nothing to show for it.
1: Yeah. I think early on with social media and a lot of websites, it was just like, well, somebody's giving us billions of dollars to sell it out. Uh People did that. But then you got somebody like Zuckerberg that comes along and he's just like, well, I can make billions upon billions of dollars if I keep this going.
0: Uh (laughs) Survival is the base instinct and survival means big bucks. It's a war of attrition for social media try to own it all and you quit Facebook
1: for a while and you came back you have a tendency to say a lot of embarrassing things on <laughs> social media and get involved with arguments you really shouldn't even bother with <laughs>
0: There's a lot of toxicity, I'll say, yeah.
1: I think it was a degree of embarrassment. <laughs> if
0: you post things impulsively, yeah, but if you're <laughs> circumspect about it and self-conscious, maybe that can yeah prevent that I'd a little s- to some extent.
1: I'd say you're an excellent poster.
0: You have regrets. You've lost all of your correspondence, you say, from those days. Do you think it lives in your memory, and you are you embellishing how well it worked? Were there actually some acrimonious exchanges and arguments with bands and, hey, why didn't you play this show, and why didn't you pay me kind of a thing? Exchanged on MySpace, also
1: not too much. I think there's kind of an understanding with show booking that there's not a lot of money to be made in it. As far as I've operated, I've booked all these shows and been in bands and stuff, but I've never really made much money doing any of this stuff. It's kind of been a labor of love, in all honesty.
0: I think it has to be, yeah. Would you say that yeah. if you break even, you're lucky even that much, or were there any yeah, like I... highlights where you made thousands of dollars in one night?
1: No, there's never been like a thousands of dollars night usually if you make like 300 bucks at most that's a pretty good night
0: and that's divided among a band that has to obviously not want to be a full orchestra at that point if you're dividing 300 dollars yeah. on a good night
1: yeah and that might even be like divided between four or five bands depending on the show
0: oh right so, yeah to yeah. get people to turn up you need a good lineup it all starts yeah. to multiply at that point huh tough life yeah, tough life it is you, yeah, don't, you don't do it for the money <laughs>
1: No, I think for a lot of touring bands, if they have friends in a city or somebody agrees to like give them a floor to crash on and a shower and gets them off to the next city, that's a pretty successful night.
0: You're talking real underground here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I am.
0: (laughs) Word of mouth and sleeping on sofas and floors, not hotels. On the plus side, you don't have to deal as much with egotistical managers and producers who are in it for themselves and trying to do it for their label and so on. Yeah,
1: I think one of the capillary action songs on so embarrassing he says you will always be self-released yes
0: I wanted to talk about that that's like the scariest thing we just did our Halloween episode last time a curse that you put upon the other underground artists is like that's the worst thing you can say to somebody you will never have the support of a record label or a manager <laughs> yeah it's a great song too Well, you can feel the pathos in there it's a deeply meaningful phrase to be self-released apparently
1: yeah and there's that one good clip of a capillary action where they're playing elevator f on a fritz tv and the guy says to john something like john why do you do music you do or something and he's like i have no choice
0: (laughs) would you willingly subject yourself to this kind of lifestyle are you insane (laughs) what was the smallest crowd that was there and what was the biggest
1: I would say most of the shows attracted about 30 to 40 people. I mean, wow, that's pretty it, small. Yeah. Maybe my memory's kind of off. I remember being at a warehouse show in Chicago where it seemed like a lot of people were at it. My
0: so they're definitely. Vague. Yeah, I, I bet memory fades over time too with all the time and the drugs. <clears throat> Prescription and non-prescription. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I understand that. They're definitely the kind of band where, I think, playing with Les Claypool, for example, where they'd be the showcase opening act, where they would knock your socks off, and then that's the way they get exposure rather than headlining, because you know, obviously, not the most famous band. They've got 42 supporters on Bandcamp. I count out each and every one of them. There's one user by the name of Chi C-H-E-E, that has uploaded the two albums onto YouTube, and they each have about 1,000 views, which is Really paltry. They're not getting the views on YouTube.
1: John was kind of rubbing elbows with the right people. Being Joe Lolly's backing band kind of helped him out. And then Les Claypool. I think he did a show too where he was like jamming with Mike Watt from the Minutemen. Oh, cool. Yeah. I saw him in Beijing actually. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Mike Watt is one of the nicest people. You can meet. Seems like I've it. met him a few times. He
0: seems really supportive of other musicians, too.
1: Yeah, I do have a friend, Thalem McDonough, who's a keyboard player. And he actually has a band with Mike Watt and John Dietrich from Deerhoof. Then I can't think of who their drummer is, but they put out two albums. Now I can't think of the band's name, to be honest. Oh, well. <laughs> but Thalem has upwards of 100 albums he's put out with various people.
0: I just downloaded, bought rather on eMusic, a group called Cuz, C-U-Z. You familiar with them? No, I'm not. Their album, Tamate Bako from 2014. I think it's a Mike Watt collaboration. He actually sings vocals on some of them. He's kind of got a growling voice. Yeah. Lots of collaboration, lots of different ways to make it or not make it. <laughs> (laughs) The exposure really comes from playing with, as usual, more famous people and then wowing others and maybe the really hardcore people will seek them out when they're headlining shows like you. (laughs) Of this album, there are five mixed ratings on progarchives.com, so it works as prog rock. We'll talk about recommended if you like bands. Not sure that I would have considered this prog rock without having known it was on there. Rate Your Music actually has 50 plus ratings, but uh, it's kind of a middling, three out of five. There's obviously, they're big fans, but overall, the average, there's a lot of also, people who hate them. They're not a band that you can be indifferent about. And it all does average out to a three out of five rating on Rate Your Music. But in terms of actual reviews of this album, I kind of drew a blank. Have you seen any media reports on this album? Did see some an interview that we'll link to uh, mainly about uh, So Embarrassing. Pitchfork, actually. We're going to talk about Pitchfork for a minute. They just put out their... 200 best albums list since 1990 to the present, based up on their readers poll, and it was basically—I don't know if you saw their article—it was Radiohead, 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 Jay Z, and Kanye over and over again, basically. Oh man! <laughs> it's like, thank you, readers, for amplifying the consensus. And yeah. Not, I have my complaints about Pitchfork, but they do do a good job of getting more obscure things out there and giving them some attention and serious consideration. Worth it just to see how homogeneous people's tastes are. I think one. Of my friends put it, people put their favorite band on there, and then for if you rank one through 10, then you just put all of their albums on the list as if one band can monopolize the best albums of the past three decades.
1: Radiohead, I loved it when I was in middle school, but then I got bored with them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, for a lot of people, that's as edgy as they can get, you know. Like, Radiohead is the sad I want to cut myself music when they're really feeling down or something. It's like, whoa, Radiohead, you're really hardcore. Whoa. And And then you got
1: people like me that are like, oh, today is the day. Like, there's the Uh soundtrack to the mental institution. There you (laughs) go. You
0: have personal associations, too, to deal with. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh We associate certain music with a certain time (laughs) in our lives, whether it be hard or good. We come back to certain bands when we go through hard times. They are our comfort blanket. Yes, that's true. Uh how we get through things, that's good. For Pitchfork's album list, check it out, but I wouldn't put much stock into it. Stick to their regular reviewers who have more wide-ranging tastes. Pitchfork it did actually review all three, there are more than three, rated uh, Fragments, the instrumental album, they also reviewed So Embarrassing and also Finally Capsized. I find it interesting, the guy's really uh, astute and has thousands of reviews on the site. He actually found that they got gradually worse. He really liked the instrumental one, gave it a 7.5, So Embarrassing, he gave gave a 7.3 and then capsized to gave a 7.1 i have to ask though what is the meaning of a 0.2 decimal points difference between <laughs> these albums what I, I would love to hear a systematic explanation of what does it mean for this album to be 0.2 ratings better than the previous album or worse
1: <laughs> yeah I, I just give it the half point or whatever
0: going from half i think is even a, a stretch or even doing one to ten is it a urination contest
1: <laughs> i feel like fragments is by far the weakest of the three you
0: mentioned that in the interview, he said he went to vocals, he had always intended to include vocals, but just wasn't comfortable singing in front of people. It was a matter of stage presence and self-confidence, self-consciousness.
1: Fragments, it's kind of like it starts out with this really good track called Ticking Ghost. The rest of the album, it's not as good as that song. It's kind of like a letdown. You're like, oh, well, the first track started out so strong, and then everything Mm -hmm. else is pretty good, but a lot of the songs would benefit from vocals.
0: I mean, I love so. instrumentals, but if you actually want to get heard by anybody, you have to sing, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or if you yeah. want to do a concert. The guy who reviews them on Pitchfork, his name is Joe Tangari, T-A-N-G-A-R-I, and he usually reviews African and jazz and has a very long profile. The phrase that I liked from his reviews is that capillary action sounds, I quote, like three Need New Body songs fighting. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Need New Body. You heard Need New Body? No, I haven't. Uh, They're great. They're a little bit more minimalist, also unpredictable. They don't believe in structure and stuff, but they're kind of stripped down to just guitars and vocals and loud drumming. Like three of their songs fighting, and you get one capillary action song. (laughs) I thought that was a great turn of phrase. Yeah. Very accurate. We'll come back to their discography after we talk about the album itself. Are you ready to talk about individual songs? Yes, I am. What did you like off of Capsized?
1: Well, I like the opening track Methods and Mormons a lot. (laughs) It's got a real good chorus there.
0: Title's the chorus. Yeah. Uh, something to hang on to, which you need in these kinds of songs.
1: <laughs> yeah. I like the line. It feels like we're on a suicide mission, but we're past the point of no return now. Wow. Cool. Cool.
0: <laughs> I've heard this album. I would estimate nine or 10 times and I have not gotten to the point where I can really focus on the lyrics and in the interview he also says uh, it's better to have songs that you maybe don't understand and can't appreciate on the first listen and that you have to listen to many times before you get it quote unquote these are definitely those kinds of songs but I, I guess I'm still not to the point where I can I'm not a li- lyrics person in general but I'm really really not a lyrics person when I still <laughs> what is this song going to do kind of thing I, although I've heard it seven times before I still don't know what's next
1: <laughs> yeah yeah this is a band I probably I'm guilty of singing along to in the car all the time
0: yeah at the same time i can sing along to certain parts like you know if the title is the chorus it's great there's harmonizing you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> on the first album there was i think a little bit more metal elements and I, he does croon a lot and i will compare that to the season standard where there's actually metal screaming but these yeah. are a sing-along group you could do karaoke to these things <laughs> yes you could <laughs> So I'd love to hear, you know, we've we've talked about the stripped down live version was just a three piece. I want to hear the keyboards in an instrumental karaoke version that you would get in a cheesy karaoke bar version of, of Meth Heads and Mormons, for example. What else stood out to you on the album?
1: Really, the whole album stands out. Feeding Frenzy is really cool. Lots of yelling on that one. That's really in your yeah. face. and I like how it's all percussion for instrumentation, but mm-hmm. you don't really notice that it's all percussion because there's all these vocal parts going on too. Too.
0: Feeding frenzy kind of reminded me of liars. That you know, liars. Yeah, I've heard of liars before. They do a lot. I of, think I've y- seen
1: them y- in y- concert once or twice.
0: Their albums are all over the place, and they do one album that's basically all acapella yelling. Okay. And it's impossible to listen to. I don't like it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> and one song, it's great. Yeah. The rhythmic complexity. If we're talking about all the percussion and everything i think they're so complex he doesn't speak highly of the descriptor chaotic he rejects that descriptor he says this is all very carefully orchestrated and controlled and no no improv as i mentioned i think it's sometimes the rhythmic complexity approaches the unintentional genius of the shags (laughs) where it's like you can't identify their meter or what time they're playing in and it almost sounds like it's you know just random clanging yeah i could see that the extremes of compositional complexity eventually meet up with randomness and total lack of skill. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like the extremes of politics where communism and fascism are both totalitarian extremes sort of a thing. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: The ends of the spectrum eventually meet up. Mm -hmm. A lot of stopping and starting in songs, too, I'll say. There's nothing calm, really, to hold on to. There's no song that's an easy listening version to get you hooked, but there's a lot of passages of silence where they'll lull you into thinking that, oh, the song's over. No, (laughs) here's another section of it
1: yeah one of the songs towards the end of the cd i think he's referencing a van accident they were in actually oh scary yeah the one where he says something about an unsalted exit
0: if it's about salt it must be brackish love yeah i put that on my compilation of music about life on the high seas and about oceans and shipwrecks actually Um, but if it's actually about a van that's interesting
1: (laughs) i didn't know because he says our equipment was lost but our lives were saved. I guess you could compare
0: that to being shipwrecked at sea and washed on a desert island or something.
1: Yeah, um, there was actually a show I was going to have for capillary action at Nottingham Co-op the night before they were coming from Toronto and they were going through Michigan, I believe, and they actually flipped their van over and they didn't make the show at Nottingham Co-op.
0: Ouch, yeah, hands are tough. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Not yeah, very I remember, maneuverable. I remember getting the call from John and he's like, we're in the hospital. This was a bad night.
0: Ouch. So. yeah the Midwest at certain times of the year is not when you want to be in a van full of instruments on the road on the highways there's some bad roads in Wisconsin and the yes, Midwest there are. <laughs> no but the song brackish love I thought had some of the best and most exquisite string sections of any of his other songs the thematic lyrics about the sea were what I took, and if it's actually about a van accident I have totally a new interpretation
1: I could be wrong maybe that's just how
0: I interpreted it <laughs> all right well if you associate again personally you've got the inside story even enough to know the inside jokes about who was that guy shay kevin shay yeah what's the deal with that
1: (laughs) i don't really remember what his story was i think he was a musician out of philadelphia new york that his his
0: work is on touch and go records i think yeah. yeah go ahead
1: Yeah, John liked him a lot. I remember John made up a run of Capillary Action t-shirts where he actually had a picture of Kevin Shea's face on the front. (laughs)
0: Okay. I didn't remember him having a particularly distinctive face. These are all skinny white dudes.
1: Well, it was like a picture where he was wearing these really weird sunglasses. Ah, okay. That's the ticket. Other songs that come to mind? I like the closing track where he's like, I'm going pro. I'm grasping at straws. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That was actually, if you're looking for something to sing along to, that's definitely the best example. Life of Luxury, an intro and outro with conventional rhythms and very different moods throughout the song. So the whole outro is kind of a fanfare, if not a not a redux, not a, what do you call that? When you replay the hits of a musical. I can't, <laughs> uh, my music terms are escaping me. It'll come to me later. But you know, it's definitely a, a nice way to end. Then like say, now you've, <laughs> you've graduated from our test of your nerves and your tolerance (laughs) and here we're going to give you some sugar at the end
1: (laughs) yeah i know john has come out with songs in more recent years it seems like he might put out a track every once in a great while i remember one i heard it almost sounded like he was going for a john mayer style or Mm. something
0: (laughs) in the interview he talks about what whether he would like to cover a straightforward pop song or rather have a Pop's superstar cover one of his songs yeah he mentions also that each of his songs goes through many iterations and it takes years to make every single part come together and get refined and refined and throughout the process talking to other musicians and collaborating and so yeah it's quite a process he's got (laughs) yeah i would love to know what he's up to lately
1: i heard he's just living in the philly area basically i know a few years ago when i had talked to him he had actually done a play where it had a lot of percussion music in it and mm-hmm. that was getting shown in chicago cool or maybe it was like a musical or something kind of been out of the loop with him
0: well it happens we fall out of touch i think i'm also curious whether he's been able to support himself through music alone or i think in the interview also he mentions having to make some deliveries or something or has it having a day job or something i'm not sure
1: yeah i feel um, like he mentioned something about catering.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's unfortunate. I think that speaks to the injustice of our times. The music industry as uh, the winner-take-all market and the new streaming platforms that don't pay anybody but the superstars a living wage. Yeah. If you're not getting a million streams, you can forget about living off your music, basically, these days. Pretty much, yeah. Unfortunate. So, again, go on Bandcamp, everybody. This is a name-your-price album. Everyone should own both of them. I think it's only like $7.00 to put some food on his table. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Soapbox aside, I also want to say that the song Sweepstakes, if you're looking for a nice live performance of a video. I think it's a nice sing-along song also. They take all of their instruments from a parking complex and basically they play their song in, I guess, a hallway that connects two skyscrapers. It's kind of an overpass over a thoroughfare street. And so you see yeah, all like... Yeah, I believe
1: like, I've seen that before.
0: ...random commuters being extremely confused as they pass by this <laughs> them, them playing this the song. And I think there's an accordion and obviously all, all, all acoustic on this album. So it plays really well anywhere. You can be a busker if you wanted to with these songs.
1: Yeah, you could actually. I believe on another side note, Capsize was actually recorded in Wisconsin. Capsize they actually went to a studio in Monacoa.
0: This was uh, engineered in Monacoa and Seattle. So, like, where do you yeah. compare, compare Seattle, Ann Arbor, and <laughs> Yeah. Seems a bit of a <laughs> strange combo. You're absolutely right. Hooray yeah. for Wisconsin.
1: I know uh, one of the guys on their tour they did in, like, 2011 was actually from Fitchburg, like a trumpet player.
0: They've got a, you know, a long list of musicians, so you can't possibly remember everybody who's in the band. It's just not possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mostly remember the So Embarrassing
0: lineup. I think that the, they're all really loud and challenging and experimentation, obviously, but they're still recognizable as songs. And I think what helps that is generally that they have a chorus. Having a strong chorus, which I would normally say is too conventional, but it's really, in some cases, all you have to hold on to in these yeah. songs. Making the chorus also the title is helpful in case there's any comprehension difficulty over the loudness of it all. We are not underexposed, but I think these are just too challenging for most listeners, as what I would conclude. Other points on their discography. Do you want to say more about fragmented or have you heard cannibal impulses
1: yeah cannibal impulses i haven't listened to it in quite a while but i remember it's probably only about 15 minutes long it's just a bunch of like samples like it almost sounds like something somebody would have done in acid music there's like a lot of voice samples, clips probably from movies and other various instrumentation. Okay, that's but, uh, interesting because
0: one thing they haven't done, they've done metal with obviously hard electric guitars and they've done an acoustic album. Whereas I think we'll talk about season standard is a little bit more on the electronic side. So it's interesting to know that he does experiment with some electronics and high-tech sampling. All right, noted. Where can you find Fragments and Cannibal Impulses? They're not on YouTube, they're not on Apple Music. In fact, there is no capillary action on Apple. Apple music, it draws a total blank. Where Honestly, did you find these things?
1: I got them directly from the source. <laughs>
0: well, good for you. He needs to work <laughs> on his marketing better and to get physical media copies, get them on CD out to the masses. I don't know where to buy them. Yeah.
1: I do have copies of everything on CD, but some of Way what go. I got was just literally a CDR with artwork. That
0: makes it all the more personal. I signed and <laughs> autographed, I hope too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and with, get yourself a selfie Polaroid with the band while at it why don't you should there be.
1: probably are some interesting pictures lying around somewhere back then but uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: i'll bet yeah
1: all these things must be
0: documented the first decade of the 21st century is the <laughs> pioneering age for social media digital media and the era of the selfie so not like the 90s or the 80s and before we actually had to have a professional photographer in your concert to <laughs> prove that it actually happened you know That was tough. Tough times those. (laughs) There must be evidence of them out somewhere. Just not on YouTube and not on well, not much
1: on YouTube. The last time I saw them was in Madison, and there's uh, clips from when they played the Project Lodge up on YouTube. Okay. Concert footage. That was actually shot by a close friend of mine in Madison. Good deal, good deal. What does their band name mean? (laughs) Honestly, I'm not sure.
0: You never looked it up? Oh, if you look up capillary action on YouTube, you get all these science experiment videos where you put paper towels and water with different colored beakers. When water or another substance defies gravity because the absorbency of the paper towel sucks the ink into the paper towel, there's experiments where you can transfer pigment from one beaker to the next just by okay. capillary action. Fun fact. <laughs> gotcha. What bands would you compare them to? If you oh. like, you'll also like capillary action. I'd say
1: they're too original. Okay,
0: nothing is going to approximate them quite accurately, but if you're a fan of adventurous music, which I think you are, you probably have a list of bands that are similarly awe-striking, if not in the same style.
1: I know John used to tell me he was highly influenced by Archie Shuck, an old saxophone player. That might actually be a good frame of reference, Archie shop Influences and
0: R-I-Y-L is recommended if you like, so don't always come in line. You can have unexpected influences that sound nothing like what you actually make, too. That's um, true, yeah. So I think prog rock generally, especially the more ornamental, baroque, and complex, obviously Zappa, I think they mentioned in an interview, is, are they more indebted to Zappa or yes? And they said neither. <laughs> but, uh, well, he denies all influence and comparability <laughs> to, to such things. I would say our, our second album pick I mentioned, I'm going to do a song, our group called Basset Hounds that incorporates some jazz rock. Juska, J-O-U-S-K-A. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't. Kind of wild guitar-y instrumental stuff. Head of Femur?
1: Yeah, I think I was just listening to something by them the other day. They're a really large band with a
0: lot of different instruments, so they have that. Mm-hmm. I think Wisconsin's own Pele, the instrumental yeah, Pele
1: post-rock. Was, I remember they did a split with a uh, rhythm of black lines, they've yeah, got a rhythm really great black lines is really cool.
0: Yeah, they've got a really great video on YouTube. I should link to the Mind of okay. Minolta, really great mm-hmm. performance. The Book of Knots, what do you think? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Book that's of that's is the more metal side of, my of them. Yeah, yeah my, my brother too he introduced yeah. them to me. You booked also, you mentioned and you turned me on to these guys, uh, high red center.
1: Oh, yeah, so John had kind of a label. He initially released fragments, and uh, so embarrassing on. And High Red Center was the other band on that label, set up one show for them for sure apparently
0: they're out on the, another east coast band and I, I like their pretty naughty knotty A-N-O-T-T-Y complexity and Helter Skelter they also have one album available on Bandcamp for Naming Price everybody should check out High Red Center cool have you heard of Volcano with an exclamation point I've heard of a few different
1: Volcano bands but probably not the one you're thinking of yeah there are lots of different variations on that name
0: anyway they do a lot of rhythmically complex noise rock unpredictable I will suggest them for a future show if there's an episode OG3 maybe they'd be my album pick for you. Oh, okay. And finally, comparing his voice to anybody, I, I this might be an unpopular opinion, I think he sounds closest to Elvis Costello in his singing.
1: Yeah, I've but, heard um, Frank Sinatra, too. Sinatra,
0: wow, okay. I mean, he's low, yeah, yeah he's baritone. I know about that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Sinatra, wow. <laughs> so let's, uh, all, all those Sinatra fans out there who like the schmaltz, <laughs> check out Capillary Action, you might also like. <laughs> if you want to lose some <laughs> lose some friends but if you've got friends that listen to sinatra they shouldn't be your friends anyway yeah <laughs> so there
1: <laughs>
0: too close i think this is a personal record for talking about one band or one album for the longest time so we got to rate the albums what do you think
1: i'd give it a decimal points
0: okay and you want to expand on why
1: i think so embarrassing and capsize are like two of my favorite albums ever so they just rate highly for me great so i'd been pretty obsessed with them since day one
0: they have that effect and if you're in the mindset and receptive
1: i wish john would have came out with more albums since that time period but well it it's a,
0: a quality versus quantity thing i mean they could put out crap too and yeah if they tried to yeah rush you. It. you
1: gotta wonder if he just wasn't inspired or who knows what But my theory
0: is economic if you're actually working at a day job that crushes the soul and the spirit unfortunate that so many of our great geniuses of our century of our generation are crushed by student loan debt and the need to pay rent, you know? Yes. Music is not where you go to lead a comfortable lifestyle by any means. No, it isn't. Yeah. It's not about talent and innovation. Definitely not. It's about having an entire corporate machine behind you to make yourself inescapable so that self-promotion isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. That's my rant. <laughs> for I rate. I would agree that uh, this is a more fully formed sound. They sound like nothing but themselves and nothing else sounds like them on this album. So I give this album a 9.5 out of 10, which is the highest I've given on any album pick. And at the same time, I would say that I could probably not recommend this to most anybody I know, except for (laughs) people who are able to handle hard rock music that is noisy and unconventional. It's tough. Very tough. Compared to So Embarrassing?
1: I'd probably give the album a 10, actually, but I'm just... Well, why not uh, a 10? um, Why not? I might give So Embarrassing a 10. What's wrong with it? I might actually give So Embarrassing a 10 just because it's a little more concise.
0: Interesting. So you agree with Pitchfork that there's a decline from one to the next. I think it's a lot more smooth, despite being more metal and more electric, just because it's comparable to something else, namely Mr. Mm -hmm. Bumble. I would give it an 8.5. Still an amazing, what I took to be a debut, although it was not actually a debut album. It was the first one where he has vocals. It made a very strong impression. I think it's a little bit easier to listen to, but I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. The reason I would not give these a 10 is because, really, if you (laughs) there are certain situations in which this is an inappropriate album to play <laughs> yeah like when you're trying to relax no it does it just doesn't work <laughs> no you turn the volume way down but then you're kind of not really listening to it are you
1: <laughs> it's a great driving band
0: if you're falling asleep while you're driving especially <laughs> yes <laughs> you're not going to fall asleep to this
1: music <laughs> i like a heavy music for driving long road like trip cruising the yeah. scape in a metal <laughs> fashion <laughs> excellent
0: excellent (laughs) we talked a little bit about metal in our last episode you're not a metalhead, are you
1: Uh, not in the typical sense i mean there are metal bands i get into but i feel like i lean more on the experimental side of metal music i'm big into like neurosis i like today is the day a lot a lot of more standard stuff i just can't really get into like Metallica would kind of bore me, for instance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you, actually. I'm with you. New rock, et cetera, never took to me. No. (laughs) Got to be experimental if you're going to be loud, basically. Yeah. We are transitioning now between our album picks, between Capillary Action and The Season Standard. And the way that I want to transition is to revisit a point that you made in our first episode, episode OG1, in which you stated that there is no bad music. I want to challenge you on that, especially since <laughs> average listeners would have a knee-jerk reaction and reject both of this episode's picks as bad, perhaps even terrible music, <laughs> as in, It terrifies people. It's not just, I don't want to hear this. This is, oh my my gosh, turn it off. (laughs) Make it stop. (laughs) Music. (laughs) These are definitely not your dad's prog rock. What would you say to people who just say this is bad music with these albums? Um, What would you say? I
1: would say both of the albums take time to get into. I mean, probably repeated listening. How do you listen
0: repeatedly to something you can't stand for more than 15 seconds?
1: I don't know. I guess, I guess for me, these albums strike my mood or fancy, but I can see where a lot of people that are saying Radiohead and Kanye is the best music ever made might not get it.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. That's fair. Is there a danger then in becoming super snobby or becoming like the stereotypical hipster where you just don't get it, man? And (laughs) therefore, I think there is. (laughs) Yeah, Therefore, it's a reflection. Here's the way I want to put it. And I was going to talk about this specifically about season standard. Is there a danger and are we at risk of being the rock music equivalent of people who are... Are we in danger of seeking the crack-smoking heroin or fentanyl shooting equivalent of rock music that nobody else
1: can handle? (laughs) I don't think it goes that far, but
0: (laughs) why not? (laughs) That's basically what we're saying. We're basically saying, well, I like this because I I can handle it. You can't. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that what we're saying? We might be. How do we counteract that? How do we a not make ourselves seem elitist and snobby and B, how do we actually get anyone at all to give them a chance and do repeated listening that is required? What do we do?
1: Honestly, I don't know. I've failed at it at this point.
0: Your social contacts, the people you hang with, probably are not average people in any way. I don't don't feel much connection to the average American myself. You're from Thailand, I'll say.
1: (laughs) I don't either. Music for me has always been the more unusual, the better.
0: good well the sense of adventurousness i mean people can be adventurous and snobby about anything whether it's music or literature or movies etc any kind of yeah. medium or they can say i am this most obscure sect of christianity and if you don't get it well that might be the most american thing to do is to be some obscure kind of christian
1: i like the orthodox a lot personally
0: <laughs> <laughs> old believers all the way <laughs> yeah old believers in russia they're they're the ones that went to war over how many fingers you do your sign of the cross with go to war.
1: I mean, one of my best friends is an Orthodox monk. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, and I like all those icons and I like the Archangel Michael and yeah. It's school stuff <laughs> good deal good deal
0: <laughs> so you pick your poison basically everyone should be snobby about something but there are plenty of people there who are unquestioning the life unexamined sort of thing where they just do mainstream everything and that bothers me
1: <laughs> yeah it bothers yeah. me too well i mean I, outside the I box or like, forget about it i feel like capillary action should be mainstream music or should have been played on the radio <laughs> a lot
0: <laughs> well, uh, college radio hope it is, but yeah. even then, only certain shows on college radio. <laughs> you could imagine hearing it on Wart, I assume. Yeah, so I could Certain see shows. That. We'll punt on that question for now. It'll probably come up if we do another episode, too. <laughs> what is actual bad music? Bad music is mainstream music that doesn't innovate, or doesn't make your hair stand on end. That's bad music.
1: It's good to have music that gives you, like, goosebumps, you know? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: The frisson. I don't speak French, but that's the cold chill that you feel running down your body with a new experience that hits all the right notes for you yes if it doesn't do that at least once then you're wasting your time both of these bands they have two albums that are available i used mentioned there are other capillary action albums that are available but none only two on Bandcamp for both of these and they're both from i think 2006 2008 and 2011 so has the sun set on these bands chances to be heard and appreciated by anyone at all
1: i think so i, I think that's why we're on a show called out of obscurity okay okay <laughs>
0: So it's, I mean, we, we also hope to turn young people on to these things and people who haven't heard of them before because they weren't ever famous. And usually the way to get people interested is to say, hey, their new album just came out and it's really great. It's a real progression in their sound. All the reviews, the reviews that I mentioned, both in uh, All About Jazz for the season standard and uh, I don't even know the name of the site that interviewed Capillary Action, they're both saying, wow, you're, you're really advancing your sound. I can't wait to hear your next album. Little did they know there would be nothing forthcoming. <laughs> kind of sad, kind of disappointing to say, well, you'll, if you have any chance of getting into them, then you forget about hearing anything new from. Why did this happen in the mid to late 2000s and early 2010s? Was that a coincidence? Was that just the fruitful time for this kind of music?
1: I think it was a fruitful time. It's The season standard, I'm thinking like the Mars Volta was kind of hitting big okay. around that time. Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like a lot of people were trying to like emulate that Mars Volta sound with the crazy drumming and high vocals and all that okay. stuff.
0: I get a feeling that that was a time when rock had not yet given up the ghost to hip hop and country music as the standards for pop music. There was still some hope that maybe rock music could squeeze out a little bit more hits the hopes that there could still be a savior of rock and roll to save it from falling out of style. Yeah. And so, pushing it to its limits. Is anybody still making this kind of music in the 2020s that you know of? That's really Um, pushing the rock boundaries of what can be done in rock music?
1: I'm trying to think. I can't really think of a lot of, like, prog rock bands going right now.
0: Okay. Certainly obscure ones that no one had ever heard of that'll be featured in later episodes.
1: (laughs) I know in that season standard review, there was a brief mention of Mahogany Frog. Those Guys, Mahogany uh,
0: Frog. Now, there's a great
1: name. Yeah, those guys are out of Winnipeg, Canada. (laughs) Canadian uh, prog rock. (laughs) I believe they're still around, but I've heard. In various other countries, they'll sell out a 5,000 seat theater.
0: That gives me hope. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I saw them play in Madison back in the day, and there weren't a lot of people at their show. But I remember they were hauling around like big keyboards and stuff, and total like '70s prog rock. Great band.
0: Who doesn't want to give up their Saturday night to Mahogany Frog? I would drop everything. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would too. There you I go. I love listening to their music.
0: I'll have to check them out. Do you think uh, we've mentioned drumming do you think that the best rhythmic complexity should be kept on the drum kits or i think capillary action does a little bit more with like shakers and maracas or something even whereas the season standard does more electronic rhythms where do you put the rhythmic complexity what's best what's most suitable
1: well for me capillary action has a lot more hooks to it Uh I feel like the season standard. I was having a little bit of trouble differentiating the songs a bit because okay. the drums. There wasn't a lot of like dynamic differences in the drumming. So. Okay, they're never front and center. I'll say
0: in the mix and keeping it unpredictable, not just complex mm-hmm. and varying the dynamic range sounds good. All right, yeah, I, I can imagine that. Some people will be turned off by the electronics. There's, there's still a segment of the rock population. I don't know that you're familiar where it just does not accept any kind of electronic enhancement in either rhythm or melody or anything, like purists, Mm -hmm. you know? What do you think of those kinds of people, purists that don't accept any electronics in rock?
1: I feel like a lot of, like, 80s mainstream rock music used a lot of cheesy drum machines. It's true. There's some really weird production that went on in the 80s that just only lasted for that decade.
0: (laughs) Well, the technological advance of keyboards and drum machines, I think, yeah, and sampling technology made it a heck of a lot easier. Certain sounds from the 80s really sound dated to me but then again there's also a nostalgia factor to that That's like going true. for that 80s sound <laughs> that a lot of fans try in terms of vocals i would say and to again use a political term when capillary action goes low the season standard goes high it's got a, yeah i would a, agree a higher almost uh not falsetto necessarily but just a higher register i guess i don't know what the technical term for it is yeah not necessarily, not necessarily nasal
1: either. I was wondering, are the season standard like singing in English or? I think so. Okay. Right. How I many have, times did you listen to the album? <laughs> I gave it about probably seven listens. And you couldn't tell the
0: language after seven listens? <laughs> that uh, says something. I just like,
1: <laughs> I couldn't really make out a lot of words because All right. like, I don't know what they're saying. Fair enough. Maybe you have
0: the same thing as I did for capillary action where you're just focusing on the accompaniment just to try to get a handle on the songs. That's a comparison that the reviews mentioned that obviously prog rock and jazz and that kind of thing, they're generally focused on virtuosity and looking at the solos in typical music of those styles. Whereas I think both capillary action and the seasons standard, they're not so much focused on the solos as unusual song structures. And you mentioned being unpredictable and so forth. And I think patchwork even sounding in some cases. It sounds almost all like noodling at a certain point. This is one small block of sound compiled with others if you don't see it as a song that coheres together. That's for an outsider on the first and second listen. For people who have heard it many times, they do congeal. They do come together as songs around the chorus, in my opinion. I think they're definitely not sound collages. They're definitely songs. Your thoughts? I would agree. You're very agreeable today. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to fight me on any of these points. <laughs> no. <laughs> I expect that some of the listeners would probably want to fight me. So, I don't know. It, it's good for the flow of the episode. But where is the controversy? Do you have any comparisons between the two that you want to make? I
1: wouldn't even really compare them that much, to be honest.
0: Are I, they mismatched as album picks for an episode?
1: I don't think they are in the complexity of the music obviously capillary action goes more an acoustic direction with capsized even though you kind of don't realize it whereas season standard is very electronic true i, I kept thinking mars volta a lot of time i listened to it all right you also mentioned
0: my way my love the vocalist you can compared
1: to yeah yukio for my way my love i was trying to figure out who i thought the vocalist's sounded like something i'd listened to a lot because it kept reminding me of it and yukio's voice sounds very similar to the singer of the season standard so from
0: germany to japan in
1: english (laughs) yeah connection is made
0: all right let's jump in then the album is called squeeze me ahead of line it came out in 2008 it has only 9 tracks but is 49 minutes long. The songs are on the long side. You can find this album and their previous Caudal Cameo, which is more of an EP. Both are available on Bandcamp on a name-your-price basis. I would recommend them. Anybody who likes prog rock, anybody who likes something sounding different. Whether you're a fan of electronics or not, give them a shot. It'll cost you a dollar, the best dollar you'll ever spend on Bandcamp for the whole site, I would say. Try So Embarrassing by Capillary Action, try both of these albums. The thing that they have in common is that they are on a German label, Discorporate, which I think can be connected to the seminal Frank Zappa song on the album, We're Only in It for the Money, in which he defines the term as the first word on this song is discorporate. It means to leave your body. And maybe some of you, in order to appreciate their songs, would have... Have to leave your body to appreciate it as you have to take a whole new aesthetic into account. This is on all music rated with one user rating. How would you describe them? You want to start first on the season standard in general?
1: They don't have a lot on the hooks, I would say, but very much on the technical end of things. The drumming stands out right away. It's just very bombastic. Wait a minute, um, wait a
0: minute. You just said the drumming was down in the mix, was low in the mix, and now you're saying it's bombastic and stands out. I'm, I'm confused. Which is it? Well,
1: hmm. I don't know. Maybe I described it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I would say you do notice the drumming a lot. The bass work, too, it's just like, it's crazy. <laughs> would you say,
0: in general, have you explored DisCorporate records? Is there a reason that they are both on that label? I've only tried these two bands, and maybe there are some better fits, better fitting album comp on there? Honestly,
1: I I didn't explore just corporate records a whole lot. I remember there's a band called Schnack out of Germany Mm -hmm. that's on the label, too. Okay. And I remember I booked a show for Many Arms. and They were on tour with Mm Schnack. We did that at a bicycle store in Madison. So that's another label mate I can think of.
0: (laughs) Okay. Many Arms, another good, wild drumming you mentioned also, too, right?
1: Yeah. Same drummer as uh, so embarrassing, Ricardo. Oh,
0: okay. That makes sense. I think I have one many arms album. I don't remember if it was uh, on Zadig, the John Zorns label, or not, but definitely another another album out on Zadig. Challenging, interesting stuff. Good label for sure, too good the season standards album description is rather boastful yeah they say that uh, some young kids from germany managed to uh, lapping every electro guru <laughs> unintentionally <laughs> unwashed and without fresh panties
1: <laughs> and they kind of have some big name players helping them out too like marcus reuter has a band called stickman uh-huh. and that's with tony levin and pat mastilato from king crimson well shoot. Then, uh, Okay. And then obviously Trey Gunn, too, was a touch guitar player in King Crimson.
0: I, I didn't notice any stylistic difference in that song. Similar to if I hadn't read reviews of Capsized, I wouldn't have known it was an acoustic album. I wouldn't have noticed any King Crimson influence on this album either if I, I, if I hadn't if I read so surprising.
1: Oh, other than the complexity, yeah. For sure,
0: in general that. But I wonder if they were attracted by the previous album the Caudal Cameo EP. I mean, why? what drew King Crimson to them? I wish you were on a personal first name basis with all of them and could tell me why did they get involved It's <laughs> seems unlikely
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so work on yeah that, i huh? mean get call them up <laughs> it seems like trey gun is just antony levin they just collaborate with all sorts of people so they're just kind of slutty <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i've done a guitar craft camp with robert Fripp, and the amount of albums those people related to the robert Fripp circle are involved in you can just open up so many wormholes <laughs> yeah 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 i believe it i'm
0: looking at disc corporate discography I do see the schnack album I think I actually own it I didn't even recognize the band name so <laughs> the depth and intensity with which I listen to be hosting a show I don't even know that I own what you're talking about
1: <laughs> yeah I In believe they show. were a duo and they may have been brothers or something well they, they're definitely
0: kind of electronic <laughs> I, I think too and hard to grasp experimental but great I, I like them I know also, I, name your price
1: yeah I know I've seen them play a set for me and I have no memory of it <laughs>
0: <laughs> well Well, again, for you, you have at least an excuse that you've been through some things and you've seen a few more shows than I have, so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You have an excuse, at least. (laughs) Another comparison we can draw is that both of the season standards albums, and I don't believe there are any others, at least I haven't found any others, hidden away anywhere. Both of them are also uploaded to YouTube by one guy with about one to 2,000 views. And then otherwise, there's nothing on YouTube by them. They are a flash in the pan and now they're gone sort of a thing.
1: Are there any live videos?
0: I didn't see any. It's like, maybe it's because their name is... Well, I mean, Capillary Action is obviously got the scientific experiment name phenomenon, so you get a lot of unrelated results. The Seasons and Standards name is not distinctive enough. There's lots of videos for Seasons and Standards. <laughs> and, that's, yeah. and it's just hard to <laughs> horse through them. So that's another tip. If you're going to be an obscure band and make sure your name is, it'll stand out and you won't get any unrelated results that people just <laughs> won't sort through them. They have a similar number, small number of Bandcamp supporters, despite being all name your price. It, it just boggles me. Who would not pay a dollar to listen to this? Get a, you know, get some, expand
1: your horizons, people. Everybody just wants to stream and not pay. You
0: know, I think there are people who listen on Bandcamp. I think Bandcamp is doing pretty well, giving almost a billion dollars to musicians and people who care about music, especially. That's they, know, they know to go to Bandcamp. It's not like Bandcamp is an unknown site where just only yeah, the hipsters there's, go.
1: There's bands you can't find without Bandcamp.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, major labels like Sub Pop and Merge and all kinds of major indie labels major indie if that's not a contradiction are on Bandcamp camp with their most famous acts branch out people That's my call to action. I read in a how-to podcast article, your episode should include a call to action to gain (laughs) listeners. So there it is. I have a political agenda. I'll print out my placards and my protest signs next week. (laughs) Branch Out. They also are on Prague Archives. And again, only a couple user reviews and they are mixed. The All About Jazz, which was a very surprising website to find a review on, I'll say they actually rated it four and a half out of five stars. So they're unapologetically and strongly in agreement with me that everyone should hear this. That's great. But does it matter is the question. Does it add up to a hill of beans? Is anybody reading all about jazz who is uh, also a prog rock metal fan? No, not metal. They're not metal. Well, actually I take it back on caudal cameo. They do have a lot of screaming metal vocals, which I'm glad they did away with on this album. Did you I, appreciate the screaming or not? I didn't really care for it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it fit. I'm prejudiced against it in the first place. I don't like screamo or any of that stuff or, or much metal talked about it previously in regards to if you're doing a horror concept album novelty similar to pitch black manor then it's got a time and a place and that's it when you're talking when you're screaming about monsters and evil okay sure uh, (laughs) if there's nothing evil in the song and you don't have the heavy guitars and you can save the screaming vocals for another time i say (laughs) we can get into the album then do you have any songs
1: that you want to highlight the opening song's quite pleasant and i like how it opens with the keyboards the sea dog grotesque
0: yeah yeah that's of an epic, too. It's, I think, almost seven minutes long, six and a half, I think. Good opener, for sure. It jumps yeah. right in. There's no intro. It's just, boom. You're in the song. I you think, think waste that's any the time. song
1: that stays the most stuck in my head out of the whole album, too, for some reason. Really? Interesting.
0: <laughs> unlike Capillary Action, there are actually some songs that are, I would almost say, even accessible. For example, the 12-Inches Nose Makes Disco, which is a terribly inaccessible title, nonetheless, is actually kind of funky. Mm-hmm. You know, It's not going to challenge anybody too much. I, that would be where I would start, unlike capillary action there's pretty clear answers where songs that sounds like songs and are just kind of groovy you know mm-hmm. definitely more accessible and less uh, in your face loud I think than capillary action which is for better and worse as you mentioned
1: I feel like capillary action has got mm-hmm. into my head new jazz
0: sound to it uh, the, the review calls it quote unquote naughty K-N-O-T-T-Y and oblique a bit like the improv in King Crimson it actually does compare the reviewer does hear King Crimson in this I'm not sure that I do
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I would say if you listen to some of the projects albums where it's all improv that King Crimson did Okay. I can see that
0: specifically their newer stuff. Yeah. Other than that, I think that "Super Push" is a love song at the end, the outro. Put your mm-hmm. arms around me. It's, it's the fact that we need to point that out. <laughs> Say something. <laughs> That's a really long one. It has several different passages. It's uh, not exactly effusive and it's romancing, but definitely stood out to me. It's one that I wait for in the album. I hear in the chorus to Xylan, X Y L A N. I hear a deer hoof song, but I can't remember which one. In the da 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 da, I definitely hear the vocalist for deer and that with that. Yeah, I could
1: see that. Rhythm. I, would compare, I would compare the voice to Deerhoof, too. And the
0: transition between the last two songs and the Sheep Sheep and Super Push. I even heard uh, when it goes more electronic and kind of quiet, even I would definitely more of an IDM kind of a song, not Apex Twin necessarily, but the IDM vocabulary escapes me. No one has yet done an IDM episode with me. Nobody listens to electronic music among my friends, it seems. So I, I have not been <laughs> able to geek out as much <laughs> obscure electronic music. I did a solo episode episode on it because there's nothing more antisocial than idm (laughs) sit in your bedroom and either listening to it or making it just sit in your bedroom and put on the headphones and tune out the world basically bask in being antisocial but i wouldn't necessarily call this an electronic album i have to actually listen to the subtleties there and i think the points are rather than hooks as you mentioned this is a subtle album
1: yeah i mean there's not a lot of guitar riffs you latch onto but it's got a technicality to it that keeps study through the whole album
0: time signatures and that, if that's something that appeals to you I don't have the technical listening ability to point them out but I think again the the jazz review does so if you're more interested in the technical side of things mm-hmm. to me it just sounds smooth and shifting and the vocals overall of that I think is unusual too normally I would expect these kinds of songs to stand alone as an instrumental if you think of Jaga Jazzist do you listen to them at all no I have not also more on the more rock side I just got into a band on Small Pond called Alarmist quasi-jazz rock with a lot of different rhythms and not loud, not on the loud side. So I would recommend those those both. Not the kind of music you usually listen to, I gather, huh? No, not really. Did you
1: like it? Yes, I did enjoy the season standard. I feel like I could have given it 30 more listens and still not totally gotten it. (laughs) I was just having a hard time latching on to anything because I couldn't really tell what they were saying in the vocals, so but the vocals have specific sounds that complemented the music. So
0: yeah, I think it fits really well between vocals and the accompaniment. Would you say that this is a bad thing where you can't differentiate between songs? A lot of people don't like when that's the case.
1: No, I actually found it to be a very soothing record overall. It's something that would be a good take it in the car and drive around with it and have on in the background while you're talking.
0: <laughs> now wait a minute. I think you just like to listen to music in the car now. If they're different. <laughs> (laughs) different. from Capillary Action. How are they both driving music?
1: Well, Capillary Action keeps you up, and this one, it's good, like... You fall asleep at the wheel? (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. That's not a good thing, sir. Maybe I do just associate listening to music with driving in a car. (laughs) Fair enough. No, I think in
0: terms of soothing, the previous album, Caudal Cameo, which I keep mentioning, is only EP length, and they say mathcore and free jazz to the previous one. I would not call, maybe due due to the vocals also, that the EP is not soothing. Yeah jazz core they're, they're describing themselves are these real things that exist <laughs> math core honestly, and jazz core honestly I don't know <laughs> bands always wanted to differentiate themselves by declaring themselves a subgenre of one right like we yes. have invented a completely new subgenre and it is it is this pitchfork is the worst for that that's my complaint to pitchfork too is that they actually say no 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 this is really meaningful it's a really new style and, and they give it some crazy name that's my limit I, I turn off the obscure su- subgenre explosion but, of course, that's probably how a lot of people see us, too, and there are folks who look at rock and say, indie rock, alternative rock, why do we need those modifications of rock? The modification is just splitting hairs. These aren't useful. These are just nonsensical terms that people who want to feel special about themselves use. The label's where I think are, are going to lose people. I think this people could actually listen to this. This album, as you mentioned, is smooth and soothing. If you not necessarily want to relax, it's a contradiction to say it's it's the kind of music people would turn off in 30 seconds because they can't stand it they can't handle it in our terms. But also for us, it's an easy listen. Yeah. So how do you explain that contradiction? Oh, how man. can it be both?
1: You got me in a conversation. Offensive and soothing, here, I guess. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess. My pincer is, attack,
1: yeah. There's something smooth about the feel of it, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of chaos all over the place, too, at the same time. But it comes off smooth in okay. a weird way. <laughs> I don't know. I'm contradicting myself.
0: I'm trying to try to put a fine point on it. It's it's not loud, but it's uh it shifts. You know, this is not a keep a steady beat music. People are used to something that you can dance to. I don't know if I could dance to this. First of all, no. And second, I think the vocals shift with it. It kind of matches, mirrors the melody, if you can call them melodies. But also that there is, uh, I mentioned no steady beat, and also it's there's no choruses. These aren't power chord songs. There's there's a lot of a lot of notes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of notes, and as they mentioned it's not noodling in solos, which I... I think also people can appreciate the virtuosity of, okay, now I'm going to highlight this instrument that's got a solo in jazz, for example, or the the metal guitar solo, who's got a killer solo right in the middle of the song or that you can improvise And We talked about improvising and capillary action. I don't gather that these are improvised songs either. They've got their chops and they know exactly when they want to change the rhythm and change to another key. And it's very, very precise and intentional. Yeah, I would agree. You know, that could turn a lot of people off. I'm not sure in their album descriptions if they're trying to make fun of being pretentious, or those bands that are pretentious, by saying we casually overshadow all the prog rock that's ever been made. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's got to be a joke, right? <laughs> It has to be, yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, you could read it and take it seriously and like, wow, these guys are so incredibly full of themselves. And maybe they are and maybe they deserve to be because this really is interesting and complex. I don't know. I wish I knew them personally. I can't call them up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and good luck finding them at this point. (laughs) They don't have much of a web presence that I could tell.
1: Maybe you could look them all up on Facebook. Sometimes that works.
0: (laughs) Could happen. So we've got some (laughs) mysteries. There's a mystique and a mysteriousness to them that should also add to their appeal to those who want to find things that that never caught on, but should have for people who really care about music. I mean, anybody who's a jazz fan is obviously just saying that jazz is your favorite kind of music instantly gives you credibility as being a serious music listener, right? In the kind of the same way as classical does, or avant-garde. Do you feel that you ever hung with the avant-garde saying that you like experimental? Or do those kind of people annoy you?
1: I would say I'm guilty of playing music kind of like this in some of my own bands. Fair enough. Yeah. But socially, I'm, I'm
0: seriously, have any of your people you've hung with described themselves as avant-garde and want to be taken extremely seriously by music critics, for example? Um, or is that kind of outside of the rock crowd. I gather you're mostly in the rock crowd, no?
1: It depends. I mean, I go through phases with music. Lately, I've been going to a lot of jazz shows, probably, but really, because there's okay. a good jazz club in Madison. Well, that's good. That's also, good. I see a wide variety of music in general.
0: After COVID, after the pandemic, I'll take whatever I can get. There's a music festival happening down south in Pattaya on the beach that uh, is all Thai bands, because obviously there aren't a lot of bands touring internationally right now. And I I don't recognize any of them. And I think, how long would it take me to take the train and the bus to Pattaya? It would take me probably about maybe 14 hours to Bangkok, and then from Bangkok, another several hours on the bus to go see a bunch of Thai bands that I've never heard of (laughs) and probably wouldn't like. And I'm thinking, hmm, I'm I'm still pretty tempted by it, because it's been a while, you know? I've had uh, mixed experiences with Thai music here, concerts especially. As with any country, you know, there are people who want pop stardom and there are those who want to be taken seriously and listened to carefully. Yeah. And near the tween shall meet in a lot of cases.
1: You're supposed <laughs> it goes to go from one extreme on the to the voice. next. You're supposed to go on the voice now <laughs> if you want to make it
0: big. That's the route to superstardom, <laughs> and there's no other way. Yep. Everybody <laughs> else is just doing it wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a sad state of affairs if true. <laughs> Both obscure and mysterious, and a very short lifespan it seems. But what would you rate their album as, or and their EP if you if you can?
1: I would give this album an eight, just because I kind of had a hard time remembering specific parts of songs, but at the same time it was really rewarding. Mm-hmm. Cool. Would you prefer this one, or you, I think you mentioned not liking the vocals on
0: the EP. Would you uh, say, would you say you didn't like the EP? Would you go that far, or, or not?
1: No, I like the EP a lot too. But yeah, I just I'd say I prefer the album over the. EP. Care to give it a numerical rating or you haven't heard it enough times to say? I only listen to it once. but That might it not be fair
0: for so then. Yeah, I don't feel like it would be fair. Well, listen again and add it to the show notes if you listen to it again. I hope you will listen to it again. It was worth will. your time. Good. I know you've always got a full plate. There's always something new to listen to. Yes. <laughs> All right. Similar to you, I prefer the full album and I give it the same rating actually as Capillary Action, a 9.5, which is to say that I love it. Rewards repeat listening, great and fantastic in a totally different different... different way than capillary action is, whilst at the same time being complex. It is good thinking music. I could almost read to it if there weren't vocals. It's kind of a delicate balance. Would I prefer the songs as instrumentals so that I could just focus on them, or are the vocals distracting? They achieve that very difficult-to-do thing where the vocals actually are adding something to make it feel not as a pop song, but as a ballad, or it's telling a story, or expressing opinions, or something, rather than just through non-vocal sounds. I think I've listened to it probably a dozen times or so and every time i appreciate something new and that's unusual it's also something that struck me as holy cow this is totally different than anything i've ever heard so the awe factor is there which i think has to be i wouldn't say it's completely perfect as you mentioned i don't know what would be the single off of the album if the disco funk 12-inch nose would be it or not, that would be what's necessary to make it more accessible to a wider audience. I mean, if you like complex rock music with tinges of jazz and prog rock in general, yeah, obviously you have to listen to it, but that's not a very large population for both of these bands. You got to estimate that around the world, there can't be more than a million or so people who would really like it. Do you think? Yeah, I doubt it. Unfortunate too, because I think this is really, if not necessarily, you can't call it the future of music because it was made a decade ago at least, but it's what music should have been. If we lived in a just world,
1: yeah, and yeah, the,
0: world, like the, the, the 90s, world is notoriously unjust.
1: Hmm? It's like in the '90s. You think if a band like Brainiac would have had their singer survive, that could have changed all music, but it didn't happen mm-hmm. that Tra- way.
0: <laughs> Tragedies and injustices, yes, yes. <laughs> music history is rife with them. Yeah. You know, we're all on path to dependencies on where do you go to hear something new or that's pushing the sound and the possibilities of music. Everybody has a genre preference to start with. But for rock, I really think this is still sounding fresh and totally new today and probably still will in a decade or more. Yeah. So I will definitely come back to it and listen to it again. A lot of the album picks on the show, I will admit, I you know, I, out of courtesy, I listened to them several times, but then I'm done with them and probably will not listen and revisit later in life. That's not the case for these two albums. This should be a lifelong accompaniment and maybe someday they'll hear and have their own documentary made about them for having missed the boat for all the people that didn't hear them in their touring prime days. I assume they must have toured. We didn't talk about, you know, I didn't see any live concert footage, so maybe they're a studio sensation only. Maybe, yeah. And that could be be, the level of precision that they have.
1: It would be interesting to pick uh, John from Capillary Action's brain and see if he actually got to tour with them in Europe or whatnot. Huh up. Uh-huh. That's a thought, yeah. Yeah. Do
0: you think you can do a subtle sound live in a large setting? It has to be a small club, no? If you're going to do subtleties, you have to have a perfect mix and everything? Um. Yeah, I would say so. So hard to do, hard to do. I can imagine them being more focused on studio work. And so the previous EP, I would give a 7.5. I still think it's really innovative and interesting. It's just you have to be in the mood for it sort of more. Can you handle mm-hmm. the screaming vocals at the time? And of course, so, you yeah. know, being an EP, it's kind of a minor statement rather than a full fleshed out sound on the EP. These are our thoughts, and I thank you, Optimus Grimes, once again. And I hope we don't have to wait another year before I hear from you again.
1: (laughs) I'll try and keep in better touch
0: this time around. Don't disappear and stay active, stay social, and hang in there through the tough times. All right. Concerts are coming back. There's a light at the the end of the tunnel. It's going to get better. Wish you well and hope to hear you again soon on Out of Obscurity. This has been a fine, highly rated album pick, and we've gone for almost two hours. So some fun editing ahead.
1: (laughs) All right. Good luck.